Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Strategic Club Podcast, where the aim is to open the conversation about love, sex, and dating from a feminist perspective and reclaim the word slut. Today, I have a beautiful guest on today. We met in a Sephora store one day when I was working for a skincare brand at the time, and we clicked instantly. We bonded over Sol de Janeiro, Bum Bum Cream, and somehow got into the discussion of women empowerment, confidence, and passion. And I was immediately drawn to her energy. And ever since I've become Instagram friends with her. So I'm super excited to have her on today. Everyone, welcome Christy Summer to the show. Welcome. Hey, Courtney. I am so excited to be here. What a journey this has been. I actually yeah. remember I remember meeting you. You were just such a, such a beautiful, radiant woman who not only looked good, but our conversation actually went deep quickly. Yeah, very deep. It was weird. I was like, wait, why am I telling you my life secrets? Yeah. <laughs> we and, just connected so well. We did. And when I found out, so I took several different women's studies uh, courses in a couple of my degrees. And so I really was intrigued by you, your knowledge base and, and your experience and just how you were bringing it all together. So I'm so grateful to be here. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for coming. I'm finally glad that we finally got to do this. Um, luckily yeah. our calendars are a little more open right now, <laughs> but you're booked and busy virtually anyways. <laughs> so I would love for you to share a little bit for the audience of, about yourself and what you do with women and empowerment and confidence and all of that. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Courtney. So I'm definitely a woman empowerment, uh, person. I don't like to say coach because I feel like my coaching is so much more than that. But um, wise, I'm a registered mental health counselor, an advocate for women reclaiming their sexual health, uh, women that have survived sexual violence, domestic violence, and are now thriving. And in my work, I'm an author, I'm a TV show host of Women Who Lead, and I'm, I run a private uh, practice counseling men and women, actually, uh, for different trauma-related uh, issues. But in my coaching, I'm helping women reclaim their, their version of success, get back in the driver's seat of their lives and stop apologizing for who they want to be. Yes, I love it. You are such a wealth of knowledge. We, um, for anyone listening, we were actually talking a little bit before recording this podcast and we went in so many directions. This woman knows so much about so many different conversations and topics that it's really incredible to be able to connect with you and kind of just pick your brain about not only our experience, but our opinions and things like that of all these broader conversations. And we both really gravitate towards the taboo, <laughs> I think. So what would Thank led you into the career path of helping women? Like what started you into this life that you live? I know it was very intentional and you've had a crazy wild ride here. Yeah. You know what, honestly, as, when I when I think about it, what led me to where I am now is every single thing that's happened in my life that's taught me that what I don't want. And I've always been that person, even from a young age, that knew women deserve to live such bigger lives should should they choose to or as they chose to, I should say. Um, working with men and women throughout my career historically as a counselor has been very rewarding. But I gravitated towards women specifically over 10 years ago when I started my company. And I really wanted to write books for women, do meditation series for women, and 
share inspiration and education for women specifically. I, knowing far too well what it's like to sacrifice my own desires, stay in unhealthy relationships, and make decisions from a place of fear and not faith, I decided I wanted to empower women to really own their badassery, as I call it, and and unapologetically show up as the woman they want to be. The careers, the the money, the relationships, the parenting, whatever it was, really being in their fierce feminine and stop stopping fitting in, stop fitting into society's expectations and creating their own. So that's how yeah. that's how I this this author, this coach, this wife, this mom, this badass that I am because I've always been her. I just really made the decision to rise up and be more of her. And that's essentially what I help my clients do. That's amazing. I feel like so many women can probably connect to that idea of what I don't want. You know, we, as a society too, we're not allowed to kind of claim what we want, but I think it's very easy through life experience to figure out what you don't want at a young age, but it's taking that power to choose what you really do want and own that is such a beautiful thing and I'm so glad we have people like you who teach women how to do this because I think we need more of that so because you work so closely with women I have to ask what is femininity to you I love that question for so many reasons Um, I'm going to preface it with I actually spent a lot of my life in the masculine I was do 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 push 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 um, kind of mindset. And and there's nothing wrong with that. But later in my life, when I was divorced and a single mother and going back to university, I really had to take a lot of masculine energetic qualities on to be the logical, um, full force doing all the things in a way that was not even really me. So femininity to me is a woman embracing who she is and being who she is without expectation without description and, and having the attributes, possessing the attributes that she wants to. So being, when I say fierce feminine, I mean a woman that unapologetically owns her shit is confident in who she is because of who she is and is not apologizing for wanting a great life, a great sex life, a great bank account, a great lux life of travel, whatever it is. I mean, we all have different desires, but femininity is being the woman that you so desperately have always wanted to be and not yeah I love that and just to like for people who can't see you right now you have to go creep on Instagram we'll plug her in the show notes and everything and at the end of the episode you are like this tall blonde tan (laughs) you've got this beautiful like hot blonde essence to you but then you are so much more than that. I know we spoke before about kind of someone made a joke about you being like the, the tall blonde kind of thing, like that kind of persona of what they take you on to be. But I love that your definition of femininity is beyond the appearance, because I think a lot of the times we get mixed up of just, well, femininity is lipstick and long hair and boobs right? Like, I think that we are a little, we need to open that conversation and open that definition more because I feel like we always judge one another, especially within gender, like masculine, feminine, that kind of thing, because of our perception of what these things are. And 
when we finally open that up to just be like, see who you want to be, it doesn't need to fall into the constraints of what society tells us. Um, it really kind of takes that those constraints off and lets the women that you're helping just be what they want. I have to tell you, I, I love that we're going here because I did tell you that. So I worked corporate um, and not for profit before I started my own company. And I've been in boardrooms with many a men who think that when you have big boobs and platinum blonde hair, that you're just literally a sex object or, or, or not intelligent for whatever reasons. And I'm going there right now because I know there's other women out there that will be listening. And in my community, who will be sharing this with for sure that they just want to be who they want, smart, sexy, successful, whatever it looks like to them. And they don't want to be put into a box about it. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, women are so multifaceted, right? Like, I think that when we yes. allow women to explore the interests that they have, you know, like, I remember getting to Western University and hearing women say that they're in like engineering and stuff. I was like, really? Because this is pre-women studies. And I just, I didn't even know that was an option. Like me as a young girl, I just always saw the like Barbie glitz and glam of what women kind of do. We shop, we get our nails done, our hair done, like the very like glitz and glam that we're kind of taught that women do. So when I like would meet these women who are going into engineering, I was like, that's so cool. And I, for me, I never thought of like, but you're too pretty to be in engineering. But it's crazy to think that men are out here in boardrooms to like, you know, demonizing women who can be so, so smart. And, you know, you're either too pretty or you're not pretty enough or you're this or you're that. You're always in a complex. Yeah. Why can't yeah. we all be just hot and funny and smart or not? Like, just be whatever you want to be. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny because when I think back, I've been platinum blonde for 13 plus years now. And it was literally for a modeling contract. So I was, I had black, <laughs> I've gone from black hair color, like dyeing my hair black to hibiscus. God only knows my natural hair color. I have fair eyebrows. So I'm assuming it's like a light brown, but I yeah. got this modeling contract and I had to be a platinum blonde within three months. And so of course I made it happen. And Little did I know, I always wanted to be a platinum blonde, but I had mm -hmm. associated it with being a sex object because of Playboy. Yeah, and for sure. And especially I, thirteen years ago, like that's what two thousand seven, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. And and you know, I look back and I'm like, how can we a as women judge other women on our hair, whether it's long, short, in between, dark, light, red, like whatever. And, and it really became my signature look. My plot, my it. hair. Is it's so striking. Yes, it's beautiful. I played in the different colors. Like I was just as blonde as you are, like white blonde. I actually got bangs because I had a breakup and I was like, fuck it, give me bitch blonde with bangs. <laughs> it was a fun time. Personally, I just like, I love blonde. I'll always be in a state of like going back from dark wanting to be back to blonde again. but. Um, it's funny that like, even when I was blonde too, I almost embodied that persona that society says about blondes of like the dumb kind of like, uh, blonde to have more fun. Like I was just kind of living my funnest life without being, without like, like I would just allow people to kind of, I play the dumb card sometimes because you kind of can. 
And it's a weird thing that it really, like, especially in the workforce, it harms you more than does any good. And it's so fucked up to think that, like, there are CEOs that are bleach blonde that are very intelligent but are being kind of belittled because of their hair color. We don't do that to men. That's the issue. No. And what about the bald? (laughs) Yeah. The bald guys, right? And and again, no no shaming, but I say that half jokingly and half serious. So one thing that I why I stand behind my platinum hair and why it's my signature is I get this all the time, Courtney. Oh my God, you're so smart. You have so much education. Yeah. Like they're surprised we, because of your hair color, right? Yeah. I'm like, are we really living in a society now? Now, well, I mean it's 2020. And yes, Rona's here right now, but I mean, she's going to go away too. We're really living in a society where we're still judging women by their hair color. Like, no wonder we're Can we we're talk also- about the DM you got about yeah. your roots? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my roots coming through and we're really going to see your real color. And it's like, first of all, I don't hide that I have my hair bleached. But I also think that for me, it's I do it for me. But I know there's other women that want to have dark hair or red hair or purple hair or whatever it is. And they're not doing it before fear of what people are thinking. And I just don't give it. Yeah. And who cares? Like, oh, my God, the worst thing that's going to happen during a global pandemic is your roots are going to show a little. Like, (laughs) if that's Uh all we come out of this with, I think you have every family the world right like let's get our priorities focused and it's so amazing to me that women are like attacking other women on instagram like that like just little things that no she's not like blasting you with hate but it's this is a little comment that's so unnecessary and just doesn't serve anybody like what (laughs) and so and you know what oh sorry i just want to say i rarely ever receive any negativity I have streamlined my circle of influence my social media my own lifestyle I attract amazing beautiful high vibe women so when that odd little troll pops up I'm like okay They're what can I troll yeah troll on yeah. the bridge <laughs> yeah no it's so true that's amazing that you're able to kind of like streamline your audience that way because I feel like some other influencers who are doing similar work and similar messaging, but they just get shit on on the daily. Like, it's just, it's truly sad because imagine if the people, the trolls um, who are hiding on them so much, if they just like took a second to like, you know, read the content, they might actually learn something. (laughs) Right. Wouldn't that be amazing? (laughs) So because we're talking about confidence and everything, it can still be threatening to men today, as we just discussed with them, the workforce. So, and especially in the bedroom as well. So are there any ways that women can navigate this gendered view of being a quote unquote boss and taking action? Yeah, I said to you earlier, and I wasn't even joking, but I've always gone by the motto, I'm a lady in the street and a freak in the sheets. And that's from a rap song or a hip hop song from, I don't know, 90s at least, but it's OG, OG for sure. <laughs> it is. But it's also real. And I think for me, I'm very bold in how I live. And I'm very, I almost feel like I don't like saying that because I feel like women, we deserve to just be who we are without having to label it. However, um, I have no problem asking for what I need in any relationship. And in, their bedroom is no exception. 
fortunately I'm married to a man who actually loves that and thinks it's so hot that I'm actually not afraid. I'm very empowered and I empower him in the process. But I think women, there's a certain breed of us that are like, F this. Like we are not going to shrink in our desires anywhere, whether it's workplace, bedroom, whatever. But there's still the woman out there that's struggling and is worried. And I think it's really important that we start owning our desires and start speaking up and asserting ourselves, asking for what we want and what we need. Yes, I so much agree. And I feel like the one, you know, we, you said a breed of women who are kind of just like, fuck this. I feel like yeah. all of that actually exists in most women. I just think that they, a lot of like the conditioning shapes them so much into fear of like, I can't be that deviant, you know, boss bitch, because that is really deemed as deviant in society. And to be able to own that is where confidence comes through, right? Like you have to be, at least fake it till you make it um, in every regard to just be like, this is what I want. This is what I need in every facet of your life. I think it's such a cool thing. And like you said, you empower your husband while you do that. I think that's really cool because a lot of, especially like feminism, feminist ideas, people take it as we hate men. And it's not the case. I think that if we actually open these conversations, I think we could actually love one another despite gender so much more passionately, right? Mm-hmm. I want, I want to say too, my son is going to be 20 this year and my, hu- I'm like, I live with two men. So my son's going to be 20 and obviously my husband, well, he's older than me. That's all I'll say. They're <laughs> feminists. They believe in equality for women. They, they love, like my son has come to women's marches with me. He That's amazing. Absolutely. He has candlelight vigil, like um, vigil services. I think the important message for women is this is for me anyway. And I think a lot of women resonate. I don't want nice on my tombstone. I want kind. I am a kind woman. Nice to me because nice women sacrifice their own thoughts and desires to fit in and to be liked. Oh my God. That is so good. I want to like play that on a rerun. That is (laughs) amazing. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. It's the same thing with cute. Cute is what you call an animal or a baby. You don't call a full grown ass woman cute. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, that's so nice. They're both kind of, I hear them in like a catty kind of um, like just a weird voice of like, that's cute or that's nice. It's almost condescending. Oh, she's cute. Or, you know, oh, she was so nice. It's like, First of all, kind, like she was kind and that's just me. And I think a lot of women are so desperate to get out of the own box they've put themselves in and society has put them in that you have to be A, B, C, X, Y, Z, whatever. And I come in and I'm like, who do you want to be? What do you want to have? What kind of relationships do you desire? Like what's yeah. pleasure in your life right now? And what do you want more of? And it, it shakes the status quo, but I was not put on this earth to go with status quo. That's, that's for sure. Well, I love that idea too, of like, what do you want to be remembered for? And, and yes. not in even a, I, I feel like people don't 
think about this, but I see it a lot actually in like diet culture. Someone posted something about like, no one's going to care if you had abs when you die. No one's going to talk about that at your funeral. And that was such a crazy thing for me because I was like, damn, like, what do you want to be remembered for it? You know, I would rather be remembered for my wit or my kindness or this and that than my body. And I think with women, I think we're so wrapped up or we're, we're conditioned to be wrapped up in certain things that really by the time we live a life and, you know, whenever that day comes or we die, what are we going to be able to be, I mean, I guess we'll be dead. We won't be able to be proud of it, but what are we going to be remembered for? Like it, it has to be more than just a nice, housewife <laughs> right yeah she was I've a trophy so much- wife. <laughs> yeah i've been watching so much mad men that i'm thinking of like the characters on there too and like you can just see they're like wandering out the window like thinking of the rebellion you know what could, like i wish i could do that and it's so crazy to kind of reflect on what life looks like for a lot of women now because things have changed a lot but it's also i think those ideas are still so prevalent that it still feels slightly deviant to be a badass bitch and just be like, yeah, that's what I want. Especially if you talk about it with your girlfriends. Like, you know, I've had conversations with girlfriends, especially like things in the bedroom of demanding what you want. I mean, it's so sad that a lot of us are shamed to ask for like pleasure. Like so many men out there think that sex is just for them in heterosexual relations. And like, we're not out here faking orgasms in 2020. No. And, and you know, I always say, and it's funny, my husband literally chuckles and my son's like, that's my mom. Women? <laughs> in my book that's being edited right now, I'm talking so much about stop having shitty sex, commit to your orgasm. Like, stop feeling shame around wanting to embrace your own sexuality. Like, stop apologizing for being a sexual woman. For God's sake, let it go. Like, yeah. I can't imagine how many, ch- this is so way out there, but stay with me. I can't believe how many children have been conceived where the woman was literally just like, oh yeah. Like, I think. <laughs> that is amazing. I'm like dying <laughs> silently. That's so funny. It's so true. Well, you put the visual there and you're like, really? <laughs> you know, and do you know why? Because in all the couples therapy that I've done over the years, the men would be like, oh, I remember the moment he or she was conceived. And in my head, I'm like, does your wife, your wife was just doing her autopilot duty. And it's like, women, rise up, declare that you are no longer available for shitty sex. Oh my God. That's so gold. I, that, that is going to stick with listeners' minds forever in the visual. Like that is amazing. I think that's so funny. Oh, that's great. Now we were talking earlier too about how you kind of were able to cultivate this sex positive household amongst your husband and your son. And I, I want to see what you kind of, a few of the things that you did to be able to live that life so that your son was able to grow up um, feeling comfortable to not only not like not only have safe sex, but then also be able to own it and not be ashamed Yeah. So first and foremost, way back in the day before it was cool, I raised my son to be, I raised him gender neutral. So it wasn't about, oh, he's a boy. So he has to have boy clothes and do boy things. It was like, I'm going to buy all this stuff and do all these things and see what he gravitates towards so he can be him. So a healthy sense of self. Um, 
in addition to that, because I've been a sexual health educator for so many years and, and naturally just, I'm very comfortable and confident talking about sexuality because I just don't have the shame around it that a lot of women do. And, um, it's happening. So, um, and then add to it, my career in working with survivors of sexual violence and human trafficking, it's kind of important to me that we stop keeping this kind of conversation, you know, for certain times and not for others. So I've always been very open and candid and, and age appropriate with my son about body changes, desires, ideation, um, sexuality, and, it just set the stage for him to be okay with being a natural human with natural desires. And of course, teaching privacy and, and, and all those things, but I didn't have to approach it with tell me what's going on or what's happening to you. I approached it with, if this or this happens, it's very normal. It's very natural. Don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel weird. Just, you know, have some boundaries around it and do your thing. Like, it's always been a very safe conversation. So I love that. Yeah. And clearly that's translated into, you know, how he lives now. Like you mentioned that he has a really healthy relationship uh, with his girlfriend and just things like that, where he has empathy for others in ways that maybe your average, you know, Brad and Chad in the frat houses, like they don't see sex the same way. And as much as I, like, with my studies and stuff, I don't want to hate on the parents of those people because some of them just were caught in the same way that most of society was talking about sex. But I think it is yes. a, a, an important responsibility as parents to create a sex-positive household where you don't have to tell your son your personal sexual experiences. You don't have to, like get really creepy and weird and awkward about it it's simply just teaching it's a it's a studies show when students and you know young people have all the information they make better informed decisions they're not out there when they hit college and just letting loose and fucking everybody because they don't it's like that dabbling to what they you know the unknown and they just they're so curious when they already know they're able to kind of explore in within an informed way in a strategic way which is why you know i always go back to the strategic slide is you know do what you're gonna do but do it strategically do it informed with inf information so that you can make good decisions and not not hate yourself after you know yeah I always wanted my son to know that sharing himself with someone was a choice and not an obligation. And yeah. I also wanted him all the pressure that goes on. I mean, it's even worse now with social media. I love social media, but there's so much more access to so many more things, especially pornography that I wanted to talk with him and make it safe for him that he was making decisions based from soul, based from desire, not from what he thought he should be doing. And I mean, it's, it's easy for me to have those conversations. I didn't have them growing up. My mom now, she's like, Oh my God, I love how you can talk so openly. <laughs> I'm like, there's no shame. Like the people that feel dirtiness or, or heaviness around talking about sex doesn't mean that sex is going away. <laughs> I mean, Oh my God. Like, I love that. Yes. It's like, what, what do these conversations, what do neglecting these conversations do for us? You know, we make exactly. TV shows as a culture about 16 and pregnant, shaming girls for having kids at 
a teen, you know, at a young age, but that was the norm 20 years before that. And also what does that reflect on our education? You know, obviously young girls, like, you know, they make televisions about these things, but it's the lack of education. Like, why are we proud of this? Why are we making it humorous when, you know, that's a young girl's life and whether the man's involved or not, whatever, a lot of the times they're not. And then that's, you know, you have a 16 year old girl who's entering her life with a child who she doesn't even know how to live on her own yet. Like, it's just, it's a very complicated thing to be making such a spectacle of for television and to be proud of the culture that we don't talk about sex, but we laugh at the ones who do. Like, it's a very weird thing. And sex is such an innate, healthy desire. To have sex is an innate, healthy desire. Like, I think when we can talk about it from that context, instead of shaming and using the words slut to treat women like they're dirty, which is why I love your podcast name, or stud muffin, because (laughs) they're like some big wig. And it's like, if we actually talk about choice and consent and healthy sexuality and come from a place of normalcy and safety versus judgment and shame, it's going to be such a more healthy, positive experience for everybody. Sex is like, it's been happening for, I don't even know how many hundreds and thousands of years. It's not going away. And I want women, especially from my career history and my own personal experience in life, I want women to make choices that feel good for them. Yes. I want like, I want sexual um, education and, you know, just like this sex positive idea to be so ingrained in us the way that like dental hygiene is like something that's just synonymous with natural like self care, rather than deviance and attached to this deviance and shame and, you know, the Madonna horror complex, like all those things that shouldn't even exist because it is natural. Like it's not... I don't know who decided that this is something that we could shame specific few for. Yeah. And I just a side note, I ask all of my female clients and male clients now because of research, do you do a self breast exam? And you wouldn't believe how many people are like, Oh my God, no, I don't touch myself. And I'm like, okay, first of all, a self breast exam is like your duty and responsibility. You need to know your breast for breast health. So We see the awareness month. I believe it's October. We see the pink ribbons. I have worked with thousands of women and men throughout my career and and very grateful for it. But I still in, in 2019, 2020, see the men and women, women, especially that are shrinking that no, 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 I've never done it. And it's like, you need to start, you need to know your own body. And that's something I'm writing about in my next book that will be coming out this year how can we ask a partner to please us or how can we know what's going on or what's wrong or what's different if we don't even know our own body? Yeah. And that's, that's coming from a, like a health exam. It's amazing to me that you have women telling you that they don't, they can't and it makes them, you know, they kind of shovel up and it's uncomfortable because that gives the clear message that they are not doing anything else with their own bodies. (laughs) And yeah, I, I just want people, specifically women, to, like, normalize masturbation, to find their own pleasure and see what makes them feel good. And I feel like it takes so much less 
shame off your body when you are exploring those things because it can be more of a empowerment thing than a discomfort like I think those are the same people who are in circles where sex gets brought up and they're like oh this isn't like a conversation for cocktails you know where and it, it makes them so uncomfortable where when you're comfortable with yourself and your body you're kind of able to just be it's not as you don't have to talk about it super openly but I think it's just a different way and it translates into how we interact in the world. Absolutely. So and relationships. It, it, for women, it's like our relationships, intimate relationships, friendships, business, education, every faucet of our lives. And it's like how we show up one place is how we show up in another. Yes. That's so true. Yeah. Someone mm-hmm. um, talked about, I can't remember who said this, but like you kind of, you are who you are in the bedroom and the boardroom and this kind of idea that if you can be confident in one, you can be confident in the other and both take very secure um, kind of knowing yourself and knowing what you want, what you want out of the whatever negotiation, if you will. <laughs> and uh, right. And then just asking for like what you want out of this. If you can't ask your partner, know for what you want sexually can you ask your boss for a raise really easy like I don't know that that I don't want to say that they're completely equal but I think that it comes down to the same factors that um kind of inform us of how we interact in the world and how we show up in the world like you mentioned yeah absolutely and I think for me, when I'm working with my clients, especially the the clients I'm coaching to greater success in business and making more money, part of their homework or their task, shall I say, is to allow more pleasure, to receive more abundance, to receive more like overall satisfaction in every area of their lives. And when they start receiving and it gets to be fun and easy, they're like, oh my gosh, I've been overcomplicating this for so long. Yeah. And I feel like so many, there's so many studies too, that like some people don't feel like they deserve that satisfaction in whatever, you know, part of their like facet of their life. So I feel like it really does translate and, you know, the way that it makes you feel empowered of like receiving satisfaction and pleasure in whatever area that is, you're able to translate it and just be okay with being you know, I deserve this. Like, I don't have to be something to be worthy of something else. You can just genuinely be you. Exactly. And what a glorious knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it sounds beautiful. And I think that we, I'm sure it's more of a process than like a destination. Like you kind of have to shed those layers of conditioning from society to be able to just show up and say, yeah, like I deserve this and I don't have to do something to be worthy of this, mm-hmm. especially for women. Yeah. Cause men can do bare minimum and society tells them that they receive the world and women have to be X, Y, Z and every letter of the alphabet to be able to receive like an inch of happiness, you know? And it's a really fucked up mentality to, to just gender and then the people who live on the quote-unquote borders of like lgbtq and racialized bodies 
um, I feel like that even adds an extra emphasis on where they lie in the world and how they experience everything, whether it's relationships, work, anything that ultimately um, determines like how happy they are in their life. Absolutely. And I've seen it firsthand with friends. I've seen it in my own dating relationships. I've seen it with clients. One of the things um, I'll pull from my uh, poetic compilation exposed is I have a poem that says, stop justifying yourself. No means no in and outside the bedroom. But the opposite of that is also yes means yes. And let your yes be yes and let your no be no. And when we're talking about um, different people, whether it's different color, different gender, how they identify even, there are so many different barriers. And I wish that I didn't have to say that. I wish that wasn't true. But there are so many different barriers that those people face that you, me, anyone who's like a part of the quote unquote movement of, of equality and normalizing, like being who you want to be and who you're called to be and who you were born to be, we get it. And we aren't judging surface superficial stuff, color, race, um, ethnicity, even culturally, I think there was a divide in certain communities, but I I know for me as a white woman, I I'm, I'm grateful I'm a white woman. I, I'm not going to say I'm not, you know, because that's all I know, but I'm very aware of the privilege that that carries. Yeah, and I've because wh- really, too, like being a white woman, like obviously we both come from like a, a stance of privilege that um, some women may not come from, but we can, you know, there, it doesn't do anything to just hate that we are born white like it's such it's not productive it's using the privilege to lift others up and to do the work as an ally to help deconstruct this bullshit right yeah I always felt like I was born into the wrong like wrong race and I know that sounds weird but I've always identified with um black culture especially dating black men having black friends and I remember at one point before the term black, like it was colored was like, and I remember being like, really now we're calling our friends or our partners. Like, I just, I just didn't get it. And yeah, I, I love to say like, we're all equal and we all see each other as humans and through our eyes and our connection and soul connection, you and I both know that's not the case. And yet I'm also not available for being shamed as being a white woman. Because I yeah. can't control yeah. that. <laughs> no, but it's I true. use my like, voice. I think it's that like rule, that principle. Like if they can't fix it in thirty seconds, you can't point it out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're born white. Like you know, it's one of those yeah. things that it's how you use that. That's yeah. what's important, and, and I, to not stay ignorant to it. I think that you. I think with you know, you just said at a young age you connected with other people. I feel like you just had this more like you were born into almost just not seeing that like you just saw people for who they were and the cultures that they were part of and things like that rather than identify with the race absolutely and and what I was saying earlier is like voice to advocate for change but I lead by example like I don't just sit around saying we need to change need to change I'm actively leading by example Yes, you know, I love that. And you you help so many different communities. We were talking earlier that 
you've worked on reserves with indigenous people for like you said a decade um and have seen everything and you know it's it's we've got to do more than just be on facebook and bring you know like diversity into the conversation i think we actually need to show up for those people connect with those people and you made a beautiful comment earlier you said not all of them want to be helped and i think that's so cool because we're sometimes we're stuck in a victimizing specific communities not that we should always acknowledge what they've been through but some individuals are kind of tired of talking about it. Like they're just ready to kind of move on and continue to do work so that they can prevail rather than, you know, go back to the trauma. Yeah. And I think, and when I say this, I say it with love. So anyone who doesn't know me, like, please know this is coming from a place of love. We cannot assume that everyone needs a handout or wants a hand up. Some people are just tired of the bullshit. They're literally like, okay, let's work on this because I want to be the best me, no matter what my race, no matter what my ethnicity, no matter what my culture has said. I want to be the best me right now. And yes, being aware of different um, needs or, or sensitivities, of course. But I think we do a disservice when we go into situations or relationships assuming. And it and it's you know, when we assume we make an ass of you and me, that's been an old day, yep. uh, all the, like, it's, it's something when we assume we aren't supposed to do it. So I just think that collectively more and more of us are coming together to realize, like, let's meet people where they are and look at them soul to soul, desire to desire, want to want, need to need. And let's go from there. Yes. I actually, in one of my, I had a class in MIT that was about mental health. And my professor said something along the lines of what you just said of like, I I mentioned the situation and she said, why are you going in trying to fix them? What if you just accepted for who they are and allow them? Because, you know, if they do need help, by you just kind of being there and accepting them for who they are, they'll be more willing to ask for help rather than you just coming in as like the white savior. Um, yes, and just expecting it, right? I think that's such a powerful thing to remember because we can get caught up on the politics of everything and kind of social justice, but we have to remember how to interact with one another because we really are more more alike than we are different as humans. We just, yeah. you know, are entrenched by so many different, you know, ideologies about race and gender and all this shit it's like I like to call it so like Courtney it's our so yeah it's it's crazy and I love that we're opening that conversation and so since you are such a self-care junkie and helping women like I am what is one tangible takeaway someone listening could implement in their life that would lead them towards creating a strategic future for themselves yeah I think first I love that question um and my book exposed diary of a self-care junkie is like one of my favorite books I've ever written, but right away, I want women to ask themselves, what do you want? And then dig deeper. What do you really want? Like creating your strategic future means honoring and like valuing, acknowledging who you are and who you want to become. And then what are the habits? What are the positive thoughts? What is the daily rituals, what are like, what are 
the things, all the things that you need to start doing immediately or implementing like boundaries, perhaps to become her, to become that woman. Oh, I love that. I said that something similar in a old podcast, actually about, I said, I would, as a young girl, I don't know where I got this from, but I would envision who I wanted to be. And what would that girl do? What was her daily routine? You know, like, did she wake up early? Or did she, was she up at 5am till 5am partying? Like, what was that lifestyle looking and not none is better than the other. It's just I love that you're just like, get real with yourself, you know, like even the surface level of what do you want, you still have to dig deeper, because I think our subconscious still falls into the things that we are conditioned to think we're wanting. And then you got to go a little bit deeper, because those deeper things are usually the harder ones to confront, right? The ones that we're like almost ashamed to ask for. Oh, that's too much. That's too large of a dream. Yeah. And I think a lot of those dreams, especially with the badass women I have the privilege of coaching or the the women buying my books, they want fame. They want money. They want travel. They want great sex lives. They want great relationships. They want life on their terms without apologizing for it, whatever that is for them. And I say, hell yes, sister. Yes. And I feel like so many women are finally realizing like we can, you know, we're in a kind of beautiful time where like this conversation's more prevalent than not. And we're starting to see, we're seeing examples and saying, what, how can I do that too? And I think that's such a beautiful movement to be kind of a part of because who knows what like being a woman in society looks like in 20, 50 years, you know? That could be a cool thing. I think it's idealistic, obviously, but I think that that's what we're fighting for. Like the idea of equality is not to hate on men. It's really just to lift women up. And I think there's so much potential. Like who knows what the hell the future will hold. And yeah, I mean, sex, travel, confidence, money, that all sounds great. Like who wouldn't want that? It's the people who have the balls to say, I want that. It's confronting it, right? Yeah. yeah. I have a sign at my home. Um, we're, we're, I'm in Florida right now as we're recording this, but my home is um, Ontario, Canada. And I have a sign, a big sign in my office that says, it takes ovaries to do that. I love it. Yeah, so it's, it's so true. And I mean, all puns, all jokes aside, I love your podcast. I love your messaging. We are two women um, amidst, you know, amongst, I should say, many women that are literally taking a stand for the and. We can be who we want to be and have a great life. We can do what we want to do and make great money for it. Like there are no limitations except that which we impose on ourselves. Yes. And we can be good people. I think that a lot of people are in this mindset specifically surrounding money of like if you want if you say you want to make six figures you are selfish or greedy and I think that that if men come into you know their 20s saying that they're just wanting to be the breadwinner where for women it's suddenly a different narrative that we're kind of told and I think it's so cool to be able to open that conversation of owning it and being able like you can be all these things you don't have to sacrifice being a good person to have a beautiful relationship, a successful career and 
all of those things. So I want to thank you yeah. for bringing us our your insight today. And I would love for you to pimp yourself out on all your socials and your services, where they can find your books, all of that. Perfect. Thank you, Courtney. I do. I do want to just say one last thing. I am the breadwinner in my family. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love well, that. Yeah. Do you find that that conversation is like comes up a lot in your clients? Yes. It's it, now that I've redefined my ideal client, not as much, but I okay. find the conversation up a lot with women in my family and my in-laws, especially, and um, people like older friendships. I may have outgrown a little bit. They're like, Oh my gosh, why? Like it, when is enough enough? I'm like, it's never enough. It's never yeah. enough. Well, I'm an I think it's so one. interesting. Like, shout out to your husband for being man enough to be able to be just him and not worry about your income versus his. And, you know, like a power dynamic in that. It's, I think it with toxic masculinity, where like men are taught that they have to be making more money than their wife. And I think that it actually takes more of whatever balls being a man to be able to just be like a lot, like he's probably so proud to have such a badass wife. Like why wouldn't you be proud of that? Right. It's nothing to be ashamed of. That's amazing. And thank you for your time. So everyone can find me. I love being on the gram at Christy C H R I S T Y underscore primer P R I M M E R. I'm on Facebook at Christy primer. And um, my website's primetimecs.com as I'm the president of Primetime Consulting Services Incorporated. And let's just shake the shit out of the world. Let's help women rise up, be their best selves. And let's do it together, Courtney. Yes, I love it so much. Everyone go follow her. She's such a joy to watch every morning. You always have, she always comes in looking hot with like a just some real shit to talk about. Like there's never... You always see the the good motivational stuff, but also you give it real. You don't, I don't know. It's not with a filter. It's not, it's just so blunt. And I love that because that's how I like to live my platforms through as well. And I feel like so many women will be able to connect with you and learn from you. You're just such a wealth of knowledge. And I definitely recommend everyone checking you out in your services, especially if you're wanting to, if you're like me and you're coming out of post-grad, you want to build a business, go see her girl. <laughs> She's here to help you. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, Christy, for being here. Um, and yeah, everyone, go give her a follow. If you want my Instagram, it's at the not so average best. And my podcast Instagram is at strategic podcast. If you guys could like and subscribe, that would be amazing. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Take care, everyone. Awesome.